Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. Well, that was a short summer, and time flies by when you have refreshing transfer news websites. Pre-season's over, and the Square Ball team are all back, basking in the fluorescent glow from our new away shirts. And we're all excited, well, sort of, about the new season. Hello, and we're delighted to be back for the new season. And appropriately enough, we're recording on Yorkshire Day. So, a big welcome back and A up to uh, Michael Normanton. A up. Moscow White. A up. And Oddie. A up. So, welcome back to you all, gents. Are we glad to be back now, facing this new season, or are we all a bit worried and downbeat? A bit worried. The rational part of me says everything's going to be fine. The other part sort of says it's been a terrible summer, I'm going to get relegated. But I'm worried the club won't meet my wage demands. <laughs> Uh, before the Newcastle game, I was very worried, but um, a win, a good win, good performance, and everybody's quite optimistic now. There's no I'm reason. Still a little bit worried. There's no reason why, if we weren't in the Premier League after that result, we couldn't win it, apart from we'll all the obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start on a positive then. Nice to do so. Big thank you to you for supporting us with the magazine because we won the Football Supporters Federation fanzine of the year, didn't we? We're the best in the country officially now. Yes, we are. Do we have a trophy or anything? Um, surely, we, surely we've got a magnificent trophy. I remember being given one. I do as well. It was yeah. really nice. I remember looking after it very carefully because it was made of glass. It's so quite fragile. And obviously, it being the greatest moment of my life so far today, I was reluctant for anything bad to happen to it. Then we gave it to Dan. I got out of a taxi, drunk in London, and fell over. And it broke because I dropped it. So, yeah, sorry about that. Dan's girlfriend is currently expecting a baby and I think she's had it but he doesn't want to tell him in case he uh, in case he insists on holding it so yeah we had a lovely little trip down to London only three of us went didn't we uh, it was me you Michael and Moscow White too I mean Oddie you were away on a family holiday in Scotland that's right How which was... I'd rather not talk about because <laughs> it pissed it down for four days and I'd have rather been with you I'm sure we'll let your wife and children know that <laughs> 
But we had a nice little trip, didn't we? It was good fun. We had a little road trip down in Moscow's uh, car with the leather seats and the walnut trim. You've very never much. had a ride like it. It's very retro. Listen to uh, Northern Soul compilations recorded off Radio 2 on the way down. It, none of this is an exaggeration either. These are all actual facts. Yeah, it's the, it's the God's honest truth. We, we always take the mick out of Moscow White on this podcast for being very 80s and retro. It was like going back in the DeLorean, wasn't it? <laughs> back into the 80s, it was brilliant. Spotlessly clean, though, that car. Immaculate. Next time, I'll keep the heated leather seats switched off and see how you like that. It was about 25 degrees out on the way down. <laughs> but I was insistent that you enjoyed it. <laughs> that was good fun. Yeah, we. I think my downfall, I think, for the whole dropping the trophy thing started when we, I think, I had a cheese and pickle sandwich all day. And then we wow. went out drinking and... It yeah, because that's what did it. Well, no, it was the cheap. It was the cheapest thing <laughs> yeah. available at the Marks and Spencer service station. And I'm a Yorkshireman, and I don't like paying through the nose for sandwiches. Yeah, but no, but you're blaming dropping the trophy on the cheese and pickle sandwich rather than the fact that we drank the place dry of Guinness. Yeah, there is that. Oh, that was so expensive as well. It really. I mean, I know we get people in the south of England listening to this. I don't know how they cope with those prices. Well, to be fair, fair the barman when I bought when they ran out of Guinness and I had to get four Grosch or something and it it came to I don't know a hundred pounds. The barman, he, I don't know what my face must have done, but the barman just looked at me and just went, Are "You from up north?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does it shows? Yeah, you'll get used to it. At the Sheffield Wednesday friendly, in fact, there was a bar in the station at Sheffield, which is quite a nice place, but it's, it's got all different beers on. And asked for a pint of this one, I can't remember what it was, and the bar woman obviously recognising by the look on my face I was cheap went that's £5.90 a pint and I went thank you for telling me I'll have something else they sell that in Yorkshire Sheffield as well Sheffield bet they don't sell much anyway so beer price is still high (laughs) you can tell it's bloody Yorkshire day yeah we won't won't harp on too much about the old trophy window I had had a pudding at the weekend and it just wasn't the same as the ones my mum makes we won't harp on too much about the trophy win in London it was a very good night and I do apologise to the rest of my fellow podcast and magazine team members for my drunken fall over at the taxi. There is a happy ending to this as well. Well, we're getting another one. Yeah. You're having to pay for it this time. <laughs> You're paying for it. Yeah. Although disappointingly cheap, really. I mean, they could, have, they could have splashed a bit more cash on us, to be fair. I mean, Yeah, it's worth saying as well that um, our trophy was given to us by match of the day two man Kevin Day, wasn't it? He didn't look well. He didn't look well. <laughs> didn't look like a well man. That's a different story. Um, so that's the good stuff out of the way. Um, well, having having <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to the bad news then. Well, the good news, first of all, is that the magazine is back. It's going to be back in time for the Middlesbrough game. The bad news is... Stop mentioning the bad news. Oh, the bad news. It's gone up in price. It's no longer a pound. Couldn't afford to do it anymore. Not worse so beer prices. <laughs> uh, We've got six it? quid pints to pay for. We can't sell a magazine for a quid. Someone explain why. Well, it's since bad, the economic downturn, there. yeah, there's been... Uh, you may have read in the news about a credit crunch. <laughs> that was um, one of Ken Bates's uh, favourite things, wasn't he? When I reckon Leeds players had been shown around a factory and somebody had taken... One of the young players had taken Simon Grayson aside and said, what's a recession? I didn't believe it for a minute. I think Ken Bates is just being a dick to our players. But that's another subject. Um, yeah, paper prices, high. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, paper prices have gone up and have sort of wiped out our meagre margins on the... On the one pound cover price, so we and we are using quite a lot more paper. We are using more yes. paper because yeah, we've been forced to put the price up, but in doing so, we've added more pages. So it's going to be fifty six pages this season, which is not bad, is it? Considering it's going to be one fifty, and it was thirty two pages for a quid two years ago. So it was about it was about thirty two pages for a quid in nineteen eighty nine. So we're um, and it's two pound fifty cheaper than the official program. So yeah, we're sorry for putting the price up, but. 
it was an inevitability, unfortunately. Uh, if you do want to subscribe to the magazine, and honestly, it is worth one fifty a copy, you can do that via the website. You can also get the digital download option, which does remain at a pound a copy because we want to give give a little back and all that. The paper cost of that has not not gone up. Uh, that's suitable for your iPads and all your your fancy tablet devices and your smartphones and whatever else it is the kids are using these days. My Commodore sixty four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, subs are 25 quid in the UK delivered and uh, the download option is just a tenner. So why not do that? And and the paper copy, if you buy the paper copy, we'll give you a digital sub for free, worth a tenner. We're mad. Mad, I tell you. <laughs> so uh, that's our sales pitch over with. You can do all that via the squareball.net. Also actually worth pointing out that you get access to all the back issues that we're uploading on there as well, completely unlimited whilst you're subscribing. So just go and do it. I feel I've walked into a Mike's Carpets advert. <laughs> Get in touch with us here on the podcast for this new season. You can do it via email. That's podcast at thesquareball.net. We're also on Facebook. We are also on Twitter. So into the pre-season, then the first part proper of the Squareball podcast. Did we all enjoy our uh, tour to the Algarve? It was, it was cold, seeing as I moved it to uh, bloody Scotland. Who did we play again? A bunch of no marks. Well, we won. We're unbeaten from pre-season. That's the uh, the way we push it, which makes uh, it's all right. Can't say further than that. It's it's that weird thing with pre-season, with the push-pull of people saying, it's really exciting, the football season's back, but then saying, don't get too excited because they're glorified training matches, so nobody really knows what to think. Well, we beat Falkirk, didn't we, 2-0, on goal, and Snoddy scoring a header. You may or may not have seen it on pay-per-view via LUTV. Um, leads to didn't. yeah, leads to <laughs> Motherwell won again. We started as we mean to go on in the sense that we missed a penalty, went behind, and we we turned it round. Alex Bruce tapped in to equalise, and, and Nunes showing that he might be something valuable this season. It was a lovely goal in the, what looked like traditional Scottish weather for the summer. It was absolutely tipping it down with rain, but shows he's shown a bit of class in pre-season as Nunes. I think people are mainly because he's foreign, obviously, but getting a little bit excited about him. So from Scotland, the glamour ties just kept on coming. Over to Rochdale. Anyone go to this? No. No. <laughs> it was in Rochdale on a Tuesday. I'd been there at the weekend to see my sister. I wasn't going back. Gradle scored. Add, add another knot to his uh, transfer valuation. That was the game when um, Osborne and uh, J. Lloyd turned up. And Mendy. It? And Mendy, but we weren't allowed to know it was Mendy at first. A trialist. A trialist. A, A-dot's yeah. trialist which, um, Grayson has a tremendous faith in... Uh, the world not not breaking his secrets, <laughs> <laughs> and then we played Sheffield Wednesday. Mm, some murmurs of discontent on the terraces about transferring activity. Went down to Hillsborough, drew one all. Gradle again scoring late, but this time from the penalty spot. I did go to that one, and it, yeah, it was disappointing all in all because the first I'd uh, seen of us in the flesh this preseason, and we looked disjointed, and I didn't think a great deal to the the new players. But Mendy apparently has been better before and since, and we seem to have sent the others packing. So it was the one where Grayson sort of snapped, didn't he? Because he'd, he'd been sticking to the uh, everyone's looking good, getting fitness, everything's all right. But then the uh, quotes after the Wednesday game, average to say the least. Said Simon Grayson, certain issues that made you look at the that's squad. Not, that's, that's not Simon Grayson's voice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, first part of the season, you see every, everything good we did. I've forgotten. Hold on. Oh, Simon Grayson himself is here to uh, to tell us what he had to say. Average, to say the least. <laughs> You've looked at the squad and individuals and realised a lot of work has to be done. Slow. 
<laughs> pedestrian. That's what he said. Things like this. And he'd, he'd seem like um, he'd suddenly looked at the squad and realised we were a bunch of wankers and he hates them all. So. And then we popped over to Norway and played Sandford. Sandford? I'm not Had Norway anyone heard of them before we played them? Nope. 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 So we drew one all there. Very late equaliser from Ramon Nunes. Very late goal for them as well, though. Another worrying sign that we were shipping goals and having to pull it around late. But anyway, and then it all turned out all right. Back at Ellen Road on Saturday, beat Newcastle 3-2. Triumphant return from the rock paddock is Norbo. Lloyd Sam bagging one and uh, Billy Painter allegedly scoring. Bagging the winner. Not allegedly scoring, he scored. Well, replays, <laughs> have, didn't really, did he? replays have shown it may have just been the post and he was just near it. Well, isn't there another angle that shows it hitting his head? I think that's no. one where Billy Payne's drawn all over the, the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also zap Bruder in to stabilise the footage so we can see what actually happened. Yeah, when, did, um, did Jackie O go flying after the ball but it was already too late? So how do we feel um, about pre-season overall then? Because everyone was starting to lose it a little bit and get worried over the lack of transfer activity, which is a worry. But the Newcastle game perhaps glossed over it a little bit. The problem is it's pre-season, and you never mm. quite know. You get a game where you lose, and some people are wildly optimistic and saying, oh, it's just a training match, it doesn't matter. You don't really ever know until the season starts. I mean, the good news is um, Kisnobo looks great. Apparently, you know, I think the the worry was that he'd just come straight back in pre-season and break in two immediately. Ben Parker being um, taken off Sheffield Wednesday was possibly, oh God, here we go, it'll be Kisnobo next. But um, no, Kisnobo is looking good and so um, the club can be justified in pretending he's a new signing um, in the absence of anybody else. So that's talk- positive, that's good. Yeah, let's talk about the signings then on that note. Well, first of all, let's deal quickly Won't with Won't take long. Yes, the people who've gone out, this will take a little bit longer. Bradley Johnson, as we obviously knew, is going to leave. A premiership footballer. Premiership footballer <laughs> at Norwich City. What do you think they'll make of him down there? They love him already because he's been scoring from 25 yards in all their pre-season games. <laughs> I think it took him four minutes. Immediately they were playing like some farm boys team. But within... Uh, <laughs> no, Ipswich were playing. They found a... Like they just went down to the, uh, the local hay yard and got some lads together to play against. Yeah, I think about four minutes after coming on a substitute, he scored from 30 yards and suddenly... High excitement, but he's done it again since then. So he'll probably be player of the year in the Premier League this year, and we will look a bit foolish. Is it? A but case not as foolish as him because he's got a funny looking face. Sorry, I was going to say, is it, a, is it a case that we'll really actually genuinely now find out whether he's any good or not? Because so much split opinion at Ellen Road where you don't, you never knew, and now we'll sort of see, won't we? Independent of Leeds United, there's a lot of shit footballers in the Premier League. I mean, I thought he'd improved massively across last season, and I would would have kept him. So I think he's, he'll be. I think we will miss him. Would you have given him equality though? I would have given him equality and parity and whatever he was after. <laughs> In a similar vein, then Neil Kilkenny gone to Bristol City, doubled his wages at least by the sounds of it. Reportedly on sort of fifteen or sixteen grand a week. Good move for him financially, football in terms. Step. Well, good, probably good. sideways step. I think he's probably um, enjoyed a boost in reputation because all the Bristol fans were they were describing him as like, oh, he's like Roy Keane. He's, and he's going to change our midfield. Like he, he, he was the linchpin at Leeds. Can't believe we've managed to get. No, not really. It is worth saying that when we play Bristol City, particularly in the away match, it's one of the few games where our paper thin midfield dominated another team's midfield. So he may actually offer the improvement that they're looking for. Oh, I like Neil Kilkenny. He's nothing like Roy Keane, though, in any way. <laughs> um, so the one that we did kind of call, and I think we should take a little bit of kudos for this, that we thought Schmeichel might be sold this summer with a year in his contract. 
and it proved he to be didn't. the case. Well, no, he didn't, did he? Certainly, uh, certainly didn't. But yeah, he's uh, he's ended up at Leicester along with half the rest of the football league. The handling of it was a little bit, maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Incredibly unprofessional. We just mm. seem to pick on him <laughs> in a way that you normally would expect of like eleven-year-old boys. Just having Grayson and Bates coming out now. Oh, he's rubbish. Don't want him. That actually happened with all three of those players because there were stories on yeah. the official site about um, Johnson and Kilkenny both saying that they'd been offered contracts and the club was waiting to hear from them and it looked incredibly unlikely that they'd be signing. It's like, well, why even run that as a story on the website? Why not just wait until they've found another club if they're going and then wish them well instead of just putting out these mealy-mouthed little... Because they can't do that. Just, it's the attitude they have to people who don't want to play for Leeds United. Well, fuck them, they're rubbish anyway. Yeah. Is it a case that as soon as that story went onto the website, I thought they're just forcing him out now? That's it. They've, they've publicised the accepted bid. That means they want rid. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Schmeichel probably wanted to leave anyway when he saw it was. I imagine he's got a fairly massive pay rise going to Leicester. He's gone to a team that's probably going to get promoted. I mean, it's a good, it's a good move for him as as well as for us. I think anyway. He's gone to play with a manager he played with him before as well. Twice, but that's been part of. Uh... Sven's tactics is getting that it's like Manchester City old boys and well, we'll not, come, so, not so many Notts County old boys. I've not seen Lee <laughs> Hughes Sol, getting Sol a transfer Campbell. there. Sol Campbell there. Well, we'll come on to his replacement. We'll deal more with Schmeichel when we speak about Lonergan in a minute. Um, other outgoings, obviously Naylor released at the end of his contract, ended up at Doncaster. Decent move for him. Doesn't have to move house. Yeah, good luck to yeah. him. Well, there was a bit of... Um, Sorrow to see him leave after the way he ended last season, but then you sort of remember the way he started last season and think, yeah, probably time to move on. And two lonely fullbacks that return to their parent clubs, Lehigh back to Villa. Can we have him back, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah he'd be a very good signing. Uh, and McCartney back to Sunderland. No, thank you. Don't come back. <laughs> Done that one to death, obviously, on this podcast. But um, cheers, George. Thanks for the uh, memories. Is that the right word? Mm, yeah. Forgot any more already. Yeah. And finally, Sanchez Watt then has returned to Arsenal. Would we want him back? Are we that bothered or do we think we should be looking in other areas now? There's a bit of talk today that he's available for 250000 Leeds think he's overpriced at that price. He'd be know. overpriced at a free transfer, wouldn't he? He's, well, yeah, that's true. He's all right. He'd he fill a hole in the squad. In League One when he came for those last seven or eight games, he did add a lot to... And he started uh, the season well last year and then he got injured and he never... Yeah got established back in the yeah. side. He admitted himself that he cocked last season up by rushing back from injury, so it's hard to hard to judge him. But with no Sommer, no Becchio for quite a while, do we need someone else? That's the downs that's what we didn't mention about uh pre season is the um injury situation. Becky although Becchio isn't a pre season injury, it appears that the uh, the slight injury he picked up at the end of last season has turned into a all summer long and continuing probably until after Christmas. And the operation they said he had in at the end of May, he didn't have. Mm. Well, he just had one. Let's yeah, just we, save the squad talk for yeah. when we get onto the squad in a bit. But, it's um, not squad talk, it's Luciano talk, and he's precious to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's quickly move on to the players that have come in. Not an exhaustive list, but um, Michael Brown, just what we need as a destroyer in the middle of the park, but is he now too old? It would have been far, far better to get him three years ago, but... I quite like him from what I've seen. I quite like against Sheffield Wednesday, there was a moment where one of their players went in on Gradle and the ref didn't even book him. And a minute later, Brown absolutely flew through him and then trampled on him a bit. And I thought, <laughs> good, we've missed that. Yeah. And there's there's the two worries with Brown. Is one, 
he might be just that little bit too old. And two, what we're going to do when he's suspended. So finding somebody to, to take his place. But I agree, like, a 32-year-old Michael Brown would have been brilliant. We've just got to hope that a 34-year-old one. I'd like us to be planning longer than just getting a 34-year-old on a one-year contract with a one-year option. It doesn't feel like we're building yeah, well, that's the thing the about letting Johnson up. or Kilkenny go. I'd have liked to see one of those two players stay, preferably like Michael Johnson to say, because he's got years in him. Michael Johnson? Yeah. We haven't signed <laughs> him yet, he can't. Michael Brown, yeah. So just have to see how he bears up, won't we? And fingers crossed again, with as it always is with Leeds these days, that it, it's adequate enough. Um, Rachubka's come in. Sorry, Rahubka, is that how we pronounce it? He's come in um, in the Nets. He's a reserve keeper. Yeah, it doesn't really matter, does it? Touch of the beanies. As long as he's, as long as he is on the bench, which he now is. Now we've signed Lonergan. Yeah. I don't think anyone's particularly bothered. Well, yeah, I'm bothered because he's a second choice and end up getting a few games. So. Yeah. We used to. I mean, if the game was boring, you used to be able to just cast your eyes over to the bench and just look at Shane Hicks for a while. And Gaze at his beautiful face. Yeah, now you're going to look over there and see this guy. They well, he's, he's, keep the kids away from the mantelpiece. From the mantelpiece, from the fireplace, <laughs> even. He's I'm a, saying he's an ugly man compared to Shane Higgs. Everyone's <laughs> an ugly man compared to Shane Higgs. Well, sure. uh, well, he's sort of been there, seen it, done it now. He's got a bit of um, premiership experience. So, you know, he's like I say, he's a reserve keeper. He's, he's come, Grayson knows him from Blackpool, so it's a bit like Ericsson signing Schmeichel. Yeah. Uh, on to Lonergan <laughs> then. Um, it's very Leeds United for us to get rid of a keeper that, you know, caught, seemed to cause us problems with our defence, conceded a bucket load of goals, and then replace him with somebody who conceded even more goals that <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah, you can imagine the the conversation. Well, Casper's gone. Well, who can we get to replace him? Who looked good that we played last year? So, who was that guy in the six four? <laughs> get him. I don't know. He has been apparently much. been good until last season, from all the reports of him. Premier League interest all through his career. That's why he was on such a ridiculously high wage at Preston. Apparently, it was to keep him. They kept giving him pay rises. And he was so. player of the season for two years in a row. Could be that just a change of scene is exactly what he needs to propel him into the England squad. It's a worry, isn't it, to have somebody that's conceded that many goals? But... Well, he was playing for Preston and Preston's defence was shit, whereas our defence has uh, no problems at all. <laughs> and the other thing, having let Casper go with a bit of a uh, farcical manner of handling it, the Lonergan thing seemed to drag on with every day hearing just like it seemed like he was almost signed and then Stockdale was going to be the one on, on loan for season long, but then when that stopped a fortnight later and we had Stockdale's wife on Twitter trying to encourage him to come and then Lonergan's interested again. It's like it's a just, soap opera, isn't it? Just, and Ken Bates kept saying, well, you, you'll hear about players when we signed them. Like, no, we're hearing about them all the time. It's not true. Just sign a player <laughs> and we'll be content. But then, because but, Lonergan's arrival, I think part of the ho-hum nature of it is that we all suspected he was coming a fortnight ago and kind of made up our minds then so when he finally revealed it was like oh, yeah well we knew let's talk about the trialists then Mendy and I can't pronounce this because my is it Hungarian bulldozer yeah, the bulldozer so we've got Mendy and the bulldozer are they showing any signs of being decent or is, do we not know yet Mendy's uh, the game I've seen him a full 90 minutes in he wasn't very good but reports from other games say he's been quite decent so you know, maybe he's all right. He looked to have an all right touch against Sheffield Wednesday. He just didn't beat his fullback. I worry a little bit when a trialist is like 28 and you'd never heard of him. It's a bit late to be just pitching up with your with your boots in your in your hand looking for a game. And yeah, a French winger playing in the Czech league. I know it's a crazy. We're all one Europe now, and <laughs> it sort of doesn't necessarily mean anything. Borders are irrelevant, but 
Who are you? Where have you been? What have you done? So Isaiah Osborne. Oh, we know about him and his shit. Sheffield Wednesday reject. Um, he's been in and around. Now, re- different reports. Some saying he's we've got rid of him. Some saying he's working on his fitness. Grayson's just sent him for a run. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Slip road of the M1. Well, um, there was a nice moment in the Sheffield Wednesday game where he, he just fell over. He, he was kind of trying to run in one direction with the ball and tried doing a trick. Forget to take the ball with him and then just... Was it one of those toppled? Hey! <laughs> he crumpled to the floor. Like he, he, he tried to change his mind and he, and he broke. Two thoughts at once. No. Trying to impersonate Rod Wallace. <laughs> and we had JLS on trial. J. Lloyd Samuel. I'm sure awful, Lloyd Sam will have put a stop to that transfer. We couldn't have two Lloyd Sams. In the, no. No. So. They have it with the shirts, wouldn't they? Oh. The names on the shirts. Oh. How would they call each other Lloydy? Yeah. That's, it's going to cause all sorts of trouble, isn't it, on the field? So, rumours then. We've been uh, talking about Keith Andrews from Blackburn. It's looking now like he's not going to come, but he is going to move on. That's what's been said on Twitter this afternoon. He'd be a useful addition, you think? Yeah, all right. He always seemed to be playing... Um, perhaps a league too high for Blackburn, but then um, I think the whole Blackburn team may find out they've been playing a league too high this season, so he may as well stay and get relegated with them as come and uh, come and do anything for us. Plus XMK Don's not interested. <laughs> what about um, Klingon from Coventry? Would you like to see him on the starboard bow? He costs money. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we'll sign him. Is there something like a £700,000 difference between the valuations? Yeah. <laughs> Is that all? So Coventry wants £100,000 for you. That's before we even get to his wages, so... All right. What about Jonathan Spector? I mean, he's he's now on the verge of signing for Birmingham, and I'm sure he will have done by the time this comes out. Utility man. Do you remember at the start of summer, there was that list going round of all the players who were unattached, and you looked down and there was about eight or nine players on it. You thought, oh, they'd all be good players, and gradually that list has got smaller and smaller and smaller, and now we're left with people like Jonathan Spector. They're the players we're now getting in touch with. Yeah, these are the ones that Ken was saying. Ken was saying on you know, in so many weeks' time they'll all be on eighty-nine pound job seekers, but they're not. None of the good ones are anyway. Well, that's what's been going on with the incomings this summer. Is for the first is because Ken insists on speaking to us weekly on on his radio station for the first three weeks. It was nobody's coming in because everybody's on holiday. So there was nothing we can possibly do while everybody's on holiday. And then when everybody got back from holidays, something will happen. And now we're waiting for them all to be on the dole so that they'll be they'll crawl over broken glass to uh, to come and play for Leeds United because they'll earn more than eighty nine pounds a week. So makes you wonder if it's going to offer them a hundred a week. <laughs> but the, what he's forgetting is, I mean, if it's even true, if it's not just an excuse, is that footballers they're already quite rich, and you can probably afford if you've been playing professional football at a decent level for a while to to wait around and take your chances on the the dole. And it just makes you wonder. It was like it's like last season when the transfer window came round and we were we're not going to sign anybody permanently because we're going to see who's available on loan, and we're not going to sign anybody on loan because we're going to see who we can get for an emergency loan, and then we're not going to get an emergency loan because we're going to wait and see if they can play in the playoffs. And it's on and on and on until we end up picking up the dregs, whoever's left. Well, the transfer policy of the club now is is very clear, isn't it? That due to our repeated failure to sign people and reports coming out via the media that we're not willing to pay what other clubs are willing to pay. Seeking to preserve financial stability, and we're not prepared to match other teams. Is is it the right way to go? There's a balance between doing a Risdale, which Bates always harps on about that he's not going to repeat that. It's the boogeyman in the corner, yeah, yeah. isn't it? And then paying next to Nakal for anybody. The players have a worth in the market, and yeah. we're playing Championship football. We paid Doyle five grand a week in League One, and then through the bonus because we got promoted, 
we end up paying him another five grand a week. So we end up paying him ten grand a week in League One. So why is he not prepared to pay the going rate for a half decent player, not someone who's thirty four, on a year's contract and not look to the future? The frustration is that we we pay the top season ticket prices in the league. We get the biggest crowds in the league. We presumably make the most money from shirt sales and conferencing, as Bates is always going on about. And yet, we still seem to spend less than more, pretty much everyone in the division. And like with the Johnson and Kilkenny contract situations, we seem to be saying, this is your offer, either take it or leave it, but <laughs> you won't get that anywhere else. And then all of a sudden, they, they did get offered twice as much everywhere else, and obviously they left. I it's, can't really blame them. It's absolutely right to have a, a wage structure that is sensible and won't send you broke. But there's absolutely no point in having a wage structure that means that you can't sign any players that are good enough for the division you're in. You can't have a League One wage structure in the championship. And it seems like we are at a point where we're paying several thousand pounds a week less than any other decent club in the division. And if you do that, you end up with players who aren't good enough and you get relegated. So... It may be sustainable in terms of you aren't immediately going to go broke due to wages, but it's not sustainable. You will go broke because you're in League One and the TV money, as we saw when we went down last time, just disappeared. It went from millions to nothing. It requires you to have your manager getting your players performing above themselves season in, season out as well, doesn't it? Not the season in, season out. Trying to, it, it means you're in a cup tie situation in every single league game. They're, they're basically playing players who are a division better than them every week. We seem to have the same transfer policy as teams that realise they've got in the wrong division for a little while. Like Blackpool did last year, they didn't really spend much money because they thought, we'll be sensible because we, we'll, we know we'll probably go back down, we'll bank the money, much like Scunthorpe do when, when they got into the Championship, they don't spend the money. But we generate a fortune each season. There's no reason we shouldn't be spending more than we are on wages. And the UA for fair play rules and everything that Bates has been going on about... They're not even in place yet, and all of a sudden Ken Bates wants us to play by the rules, which don't even exist. Well, there was, the, man um, who, the man who lives in Monaco because he doesn't want to pay tax, he now all of a sudden wants to uh, wants to play by the rules that haven't even been created yet. We'll mention the football governance report in a bit, but there was a, a line in that from Sean Harvey when he was being asked about wage caps, and um, and he said that uh, UEFA recommends having a 60% um, of your turnover as being a limit. We're nowhere near that at Leeds United. It's like, well, get somewhere near it. We might have a better team. It doesn't mean you have to suddenly become Manchester City and be spending far more than you can afford. It's, just... it's not a black and white issue, is it? It's not It's not Ridsdale and Bust or, you know, spend nothing. We, we, we're looking for that middle ground somewhere. Yeah. It's like if you're at a point where there's a good player available and you just have to spend that little bit more get them. The thing with our wage structure is as well, there's this rumour of 11 grand being the upper limit. When it comes to negotiating contracts, the likes of Gradle and Snodgrass, who could almost certainly be earning twice what they are now elsewhere, why would they even consider signing a contract? Because these are not players who've been earning a fortune, so they're not even going to stay out of any loyalty, I don't think, and you wouldn't expect them to, because you know, it makes a massive difference to their, their lives. It's like with the Beckford situation when we were expecting him to stay on 10 grand when he was being offered 25. And you think, well, you wouldn't. Would why you? should he? <laughs> well, in conclusion on this point then, it's clear that perhaps Simon Grayson is not entirely happy at the minute because he said the squad isn't good enough publicly now. Surely that's a sign that there's something not quite working with the transfer policy. When we left last season, the whole feeling was we were going to lose Kilkenny and Johnson. Everything else we just need, to, so we need to replace them. Everything else, just tweak them better fallback, maybe a new centre-back. 
suddenly we didn't have any goalkeepers, we don't have any midfielders, we've not bought any full-backs um, and we've not signed any new defenders. And, and we've got two strikers injured. We've got two strikers long-term injured. And so the squad isn't... A, it's just not as good as it was. There's no... I, I can't see any other way of looking at it. As we speak right now, that team is not as good as the team that ended last year. And we're now relying on those players who have been on the periphery coming through and stepping up and being a lot better than the ones who were in their place last season. Yeah, Clayton might be good this year. Hopefully, but why are we hoping when we could just get a good midfielder that we don't have to hope? Because it's doing it on the cheap then. It's getting those players in that weren't were sent out on loan because they weren't even fringe players of the squad. And it's... There's no... Well, there is a policy, but it's a tight-ass policy. <laughs> See, Don't invest in the future. I see Grella's got a squad number. <laughs> so if you were down at Ellen Road over the weekend for either the Fonday or the Newcastle game, you would have seen that the summer's big investment, the East Stand, now taking shape. It's very creamy, isn't it? It doesn't appear to have been matched particularly well. It's a horrible colour. It's cream. I know the bricks were cream before. They were yellow before. Yeah, Sort of looks a bit awful. Before, it was what it was. It was industrial architecture. Not attempt to dress it up. Somebody, somewhere, you've got a grey football ground. Just put grey panels in if you're going to put panels in. Just do Billy's Bar. It doesn't look great, but it isn't cream. This is cream. And then you're going to stick a white brick bit in the middle. So we're going to have white, cream, grey, yellow, yellow, isn't it? Blue. I think, yeah, there's there's a yellow bricks and then a white bit above, I think. And then you've got the green Hesco Bastion on there. It's like all every, it's like the, if you ask a child what their favourite colours were, <laughs> they would never say any of those, ever. <laughs> and so we've just, we've just got whatever colours children hate, that's what we're doing on the East End. Let's not get caught up too much in the, uh, the design aspects of it because it's been done to death online. Let's, however, talk about the fact that it's costing seven million quid. It's a lot of money. It's hard as a football fan to see... Seven million being spent on the ground, and the chairman in his letter to season ticket holders and members saying that it's wrong to buy football players instead. How do you think he could pay for that? Well, it, it is a good question, isn't it? Has it been done on cash reserves? Because he keeps talking about being able to get loans for building, but no loans for buying players. I mean, is that a bit of a red herring to chuck us off the scent? I mean, it suggests, it suggests that he has borrowed money to build it, in which case I would have to ask, where has all the money gone from the past few years? Because we've surely made an absolute fortune. So if we're still borrowing money to build stuff... Although we did have three million in the bank, he said. Yeah. At the end of June. Well, he's, he said previously, just to do a, a bit of uh, basic mathematics, I guess, he said previously about us having four million in the bank, actually, didn't he? And we made three million profit towards the end of last season. So do those sums, three and four is seven, cost of stand improvements, seven million. Is it done on cash reserves, do we think? But then why is he mentioning loans in his in his letter? But to justify building things and not buying footballers. And why when um, we wanted to buy back Thorpe Arch, part of the case was no bank will give us a loan because of what Ridsdale and Krasner did. Has that suddenly changed? And if so, what what changed? It's like, oh, we, we, weren't, we weren't sure that we were being very, very well run before, but now you've bought the club, Mr Bates. Well, that changes everything. But the problem is, Bates seems... There's certain things he's very much willing to spend money on, and they include building shit, radio stations and lawyers. He doesn't seem to have any problem with spending money on those, and sadly they're not things I'm at all interested yeah. in as a United fan. the stark 
statistic, the last set of accounts, um, the club itself valued all the playing staff, every player from reserves through the first team, combined total 6.6 million. And in the summer, we're spending 7 million on doing out the East Stand with some executive boxes and a museum as well. Don't forget the well, museum. Well, look, I, do you know what? I'm, I want to take a slightly oppositional viewpoint. I've been quite vocal about, you know, like on Twitter and, and forums and stuff about I'd like to see us spending money on players. I happen to think the East Stand boxes are probably a good investment. I mean, whether we can sell them or not is a different matter, but by and large, I think it's it's worth investing in. It's just all the other guff. Do we, you know, do we need the museum right now? Well, don't forget the museum. They just put it in because they spotted a hole in the plans and it, it seemed like something that Ken just fell off the toilet and came up thinking about. So it's not even as if that was like closely planned and they've only just found somebody to run it. Yeah, the the, the nightclub and the it's um, all that stuff, stuff that will follow yeah. is... The problem I have as well with corporate facilities is we're kind of constantly sold the line that this will be benef- beneficial for the long-term running of the club. It'll It'll buy better players... You, you almost think if if it was going towards the team and it was making the average person's ticket cheaper, then you would think fine. But it's not; it just rolls on and on. And it well, it certainly will expensive. do if, if we get past this phase one and it's turning into eighty, ninety million pounds for realigning Lowfield Road, building the nightclub, sticking a hotel up, sticking another hotel up next to it. It's like I just worry in ten years' time we'll have still a Championship football club with a load of shit bolted onto the side of it well the other thing is he doesn't just sell it as something that is going to generate income it, it keeps being mentioned as when we all see this it's going to be something we're all going to be proud of the fans will be proud to see the best stadium and no I'd be proud to see a Premier League football team to be honest yes and in order to fill all this guff all your corporate seats your restaurants your pavilion and all the rest of it you need decent football and the pavilion accepted because people will go in to drink beer and you'll always have weddings and so on but the point stands up. We need a good football romantic team. day by the side of the M621. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need a good football team to sell out corporate seats and Premier League football. If we get that and we've got all this stuff in place, then fantastic. He'll have been correct. But we're getting all this stuff in, at, and it seems to be to the detriment of the side that we actually care about. We're doing an ass about it because if it, if all that work could be done through the summer, then why not invest in the team now, spend that money on the team now, get in the Premiership, then spend that money on the executive boxes, yeah. which would be a drop in the ocean to the money that's going to come in from the Premier League. Do it that summer. And, but uh, he's desperate to, ma- ma- to maximise the value of the stadium, isn't he? And you can understand why when it can be bought back for £15 million and was valued in the accounts at £49 million. Now, that was from two years ago. So now with the pavilion chucked in and the improvements, it's going to be worth even more, 60, 70 million quid, buy it back for 15 million pounds. So you can see why he's spending money on the ground. Yeah, and it's all money that's, I mean, it's not coming out of his pocket. It's either coming out of our pocket, so it's coming from loans that will be paid back from the highest season ticket prices in the division. And the thing is, nobody pays buys their season ticket or buys their match day ticket thinking, I'm really glad that the club is going to take this money and spend it on executive boxes. The hope is that we'll sign. You'll pay all this money, and some good players will appear on the pitch for you to watch while you're there. Unfortunately, not what's happening. Well, Michael Brown might be. But if we get promoted this season, then will Ken Bates not be vindicated in doing just what he's done? We just do what Oddie was talking about. Just build them then, and then we can charge everybody well, in the yeah, Premier League what is, they is want. Is that not a fair point? If we go up this season, then he's vindicated. 
I'm not going to go up this season. Yeah, fucking lucky. If, <laughs> he, if, if that's the I mean, case, it's then a win-win. Think... I'd be happy to be proved wrong. Yeah, but... we will all hold our hands up and say, "Well done" if we go up this season. I don't think it would be vindication. I think it. I think it would just come down to pure dumb luck. I mean, he's not doing the things that are necessary to get a team promoted. He isn't building a team but for what promotion if he's right now. But a good manager who can work to a tight budget, and he's done that, and Grayson takes us up, then he's correct, isn't he? He's got to be by default because he's taken us up. It's a gamble. I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to do it the old-fashioned way, where investing in good players. But I'm, you know, playing devil's advocate on this and saying, well, if we do go up by some chance, I mean, to be fair. This year, the division is very hard to compete with because West Ham and Leicester are spending a lot of money compared to everybody else. And you've got to think those two are going to be hot favourites for promotion. So automatic spots, you're almost thinking a couple of them are gone already and then we're left with the playoffs, which are a bit of a lottery. So I don't know if, if Ken's thinking, if we can squeeze in there, you never know. But I personally don't think we will get in the playoffs this year. If we did, I doubt that he'd spend... That forty million, fifty million pound from the Premier League, investing again on the team because he's done this. He's done the stadium. Mm. I think he'll bank that money, ready to go back down again. I don't think he's got that. Well, it's an opinion. Let's move on then because <coughs> it has been talked about to death online. So uh, we'll leave people to their own thoughts on that. What do you reckon to the new kits then? Do you like them? Speaking of tastelessness, <laughs> <laughs> well, home at least kit, they're not cream. Well, the home kit is the home kit. Yeah, that's a good point. The home kit is the home kit is the home kit, isn't it? It changes every year. Bloody bloody. This one's bloody. a retro tribute to the ninety one ninety two kit. Is it? Uh, apparently, yeah. That's what the advertising yeah. blurb says. It's oh, okay. quite shiny. If yeah, and if you look at the sleeve, it's got blue and yellow bits, and the kit in nineteen ninety two had blue and yellow bits. Admittedly, they were completely different to these blue and yellow bits, but Man, apparently, blue that's, and yellow are our club colours. Yes, and probably most of our kits have had blue and yellow bits on, but not on the sleeve. Oh, I don't know. It just it doesn't make any sense, that. It makes more sense than um, black and whatever colour that <laughs> is. Our is yellow. Our Chernobyl, <laughs> Chernobyl change kit. I mean, if, if, if the future that I was promised in the 80s had, had come true and Leeds United were competing in the world of Tron, it would be an entirely <laughs> appropriate outfit to, to be wearing in 2011. However, I don't have a jetpack, and I don't see why I'm having to watch them running around in uh, in that nonsense. And the the I could handle the like the famous knockoff Strongbow black kits that that appeared from uh, the Far East in the Champions League era. Looked all right, actually, all black kit with a little bit of blue and yellow trim. Everything was fine. But they've done on this one one thing I hate when any football club does it, where they take the club badge and they just make it like a one. Color Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. ...version of it, and in this case, it's fluorescent yellow, and you use that instead of alkyl badge, white, yellow, and blue. It's got three colors on it. This damn thing, it's just, it's just the outline just done in one color. And unsurprisingly, it looks crap. So that's the starting point. And you look at the rest of it. Pinstripes, pinstripes equal relegation and pain, apart from the playoff final, which was pain. <laughs> <laughs> Just without the relegation. Clearly not a fan then. It looks a little bit like a black and white photocopy which a child's coloured in with a highlighter. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. I, I just got to say, you've got to remember we've got Italian designers because it's Macron, isn't it? And they're an Italian company. And that's just the sort of stuff you'd see in the Italian league, like, you know, big, bold colours. And we've had, you know, pink goalkeeper shirts and pink kits in the Italian league, haven't we? So can't be entirely surprising. Juventus had a pink kit, but that was because it, it was they wore it in they the 1900s. It yeah. was a traditional thing. It wasn't just some no-mark kit designers taking the piss out of some English clubs. Italian, like, I'm, just ah. saying, I'm just saying Italians are slightly more bold fashion-wise, so we don't need to worry too much. Just what they bring. If we were playing in a brown suit and loafers, I'd perhaps <laughs> I'd agree with you, but I'm not sure that this point really stands. I'm not sure that the streets of Naples aren't occupied by guys going around in black polyester with fluorescent yellow trim. Slightly less glamorous than the whole uh, Italian fashion scene. We are now sponsored by an insurance firm. Can anybody possibly get anything interesting to say about that? The logo's not very good. <laughs> Sorry, relentless negative. It's it's important. It's our public image. And well, you know, I don't particularly care who or what. I'd rather if they just put that horrible little feature of the logo thing to the side instead of above everything, it would look slightly better. Has somebody given him too much coffee today? No, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not especially bothered about kits. I feel like I can't really say it here because well, he's, you're, you're he's fu- cause he's absolutely fuming. But <laughs> you're over twelve for a start, so I don't know. For some reason, I always try to take an adult line towards the release of the kit but then when it does come around I'm like ah, somebody's somebody's leaked it on Wacko brilliant and then I can see it immediately and then and then act all disappointed I mean the problem at least um, compared to last year they've moved the badge on the home kit into a slightly more sensible place because it was under the armpit um, <laughs> last year and also I've got absolutely no intention of buying it because I haven't bought a new kit since the 12 no but the ones I had when I was 12 do still fit me <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so it's a kit I'm not going to buy, but um, I still, for some it's reason, moan about I it. just get drawn into it and I can't help it it's every, because every you care. single year. It's because it you is. care. We mentioned the football governance inquiry previously. Leeds quite heavily mentioned in that. If you want to, by the way, uh, see a summary of it, do log on to the website at thesquareball.net. We've got a, a beautiful breakdown on there that you did, Moscow. Just the bits that mention us, really, and why it's pertinent towards Leeds fans. Yeah, because it, it's a long document and... Uh, um, since we had early sight of it, we thought we'd get out the uh, the crucial bits for Leeds United fans. Document released at 12 noon. Uh, square ball summary released at 12.03. Uh, we do aim to please and keep <laughs> keep you all informed. And the the, the thrust of it all is that the, um, the parliamentary inquiry interviewed loads of people about the state of football, has decided that the FA and the Football League need to actually get their act together and govern if they're they're the governing bodies, so they should govern. And 
are the first thing that they should govern hate <laughs> is um is Ken Bates and uh, Leeds United. Um the the quote um appears a few times in the the summary at the start and then in their conclusions and also in the the bit in the middle and they say there is no more blatant an example of lack of transparency than the recent ownership history of Leeds United and we urge the FA to demonstrate its new resolve by conducting a thorough investigation and, if necessary, to seek the assistance of Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Oh, God. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, um, do we really want Revenue and Customs looking into that? I mean, do we want to stick our head in the sand over this and hope it goes away, or should we be glad that they're pushing for some sort of information? It would be nice to think that this would, any punishments would hit the people who are responsible rather than the fans of clubs who have done nothing wrong. And there is a strong argument that says that we as fans are actually being hammered quite hard by the current ownership to the tune of 750 quid a season, depending on, on where you sit. And so if a change of ownership was forced upon us because our current owners were forced to relinquish control, I mean... You, it's a tough call, isn't it? You can't because... sit idly by and just... I mean, if if the issue, if it comes down to where money went to at, at admin, it's worth remembering the money that's in the club at that point was ours as Leeds United fans of Leeds United Club. If money disappeared that shouldn't have disappeared, which seems to be what the uh, inquiry and the involvement of uh, HMRC would suggest, it was our money. And so... We, just sitting idly by and just saying, "Well done." It doesn't it's not a, a, I'm not content with that conclusion personally. Okay, it, it's worth mentioning. I think that we are not the only the only club that will be in bother on this. There's, as that um, how to buy a football club program showed, the whole of football is kind of a utter mess. The system is, is broken, isn't it? So I mean, it's a bit harsh for them to have picked on us rather than Portsmouth, really, given one of their owners didn't exist. <laughs> But I think the problem is here is that Bates's attitude to governance as a whole, he does kind of wander around upsetting people and then wonder when why people are uh, having a pop at him. Plus he's been doing that for 30 years since uh, he took over at Chelsea in particular. Um, so. You're going to be corrupt. Get on with it quietly. <laughs> or, in the Portsmouth case, just don't, don't exist. exist. <laughs> That's the correct way to do it, because they can't really go after Portsmouth, because, well, for one thing, if they want to go after Portsmouth, they might want to talk to the Director of Commercial Affairs, Paul Bell, who who now can be found doing that job at Leeds United. You get a sense sort of that the net is closing a little bit and the, the willingness to look into it is growing. I think that's perhaps the, the worrying thing that's at the heart of it, and you just don't want it to be us, the fans, that suffer. I think, personally, that if the net closes too tight and it's looking like they're going to really look into him, I think he'll sell and he'll be gone. Yeah, I mean, I am actually quite confident that whatever happens with this or with any other investigation, Leeds United will still carry on. There was an interesting article over the summer written by uh, Simon Cooper, who it's in the, this magazine, The Blizzard, which points out that football clubs are almost bulletproof under any circumstances because no bank and no government certainly wants to be the guys to come along and shut down a football club. That's how one of the reasons Portsmouth were able to get away for it so long because none of the bankers would say, actually, give us all the money now or we'll just turn the lights out because then immediately you're going to have all the people who support that football club hating you. And no MP either. I mean, it's Damien Collins, who MP, who pushes a lot of this. It's not in his best interest to close down Leeds United. So whatever happens, I'm fairly confident that if some fate does befall the owners and maybe the previous owners since admin, whoever they were, Leeds United will just 
carry on regardless. I mean, we we were docked points before and we nearly got promoted. I'm not well, scared. I was going to say, I mean, in the wake of all that, um, when I went over to Football League headquarters and I spoke to the chief operating officer of the Football League and he explained what had gone on from the Football League's point of view and tried to shed some light on, on all the goings on. And he said, he explained that Leeds United had tried to use the exceptional circumstances rule out of its spirit. It, although it wasn't clearly defined, it was put in there to stop creditors, intransigent creditors, liquidating football clubs. So, for example, you had Rotherham, who were having the dispute over the ground and the ownership. So if it was the previous owner, wasn't it, who took the ground with him and then sold the club and he was charging them a fortune in rent or similar, which forced them out of Millmore. And they were sort of saying that if a club finds itself in a situation like that, much like Wrexham, they've had the, the deal with the ground, that it's in there to stop people being able to liquidate, single creditors liquidating a football club. So even if whoever owned Leeds United did try and pull the plug at some point in the future, the rules are there designed to give you back the golden share if one person clearly blocking or preventing a CVA. That's why the exceptional circumstances rule exists within the Football League's rules. We'll be fine. It's fine, isn't it? I haven't broken any laws. <laughs> right, anyway, all that heavy talk. Just returning to Ken momentarily then, he's mentioned about the season ticket sales. They seem to be down slightly on last season's figures, but he thinks everything's A-OK because they've taken as much or more money. I mean, again, it's not something we need to necessarily retread too heavily because we did it at the back end of last season on the previous podcast. So it's just a bit of a strange thing to be happy that you're taking more money from less people when really more people would seem to be a sensible way to go. I don't think any of us will argue with that. <laughs> no. He seems to keep glossing over it as well, saying that uh, whenever he mentions season ticket sales, he says it's a little bit down on last year, but we're, it, that means we're on target to exceed that. No, it doesn't. It means you are down. There's no there's no tracing. There's a, a graph been floating around that shows the figures that Ken's been quoting um, week by week on his radio station, and it's almost sales are almost flat since uh, since the the new prices were released. Bit of spike of interest then because people who want them buy them then, but since then, just a, a virtually a flat line. I've used the phrase ever diminishing returns on this podcast before and never properly explained what I meant when what I'm saying is that we lose people out of the customer base but put the prices up to offset it. But what if we lose 25% of our customers? Do we then hike the prices by 25% because you'll reach a point where people won't do it and don't want to do it anymore and they you won't get, pay. You get to the point where you're charging one bloke 7 million quid because he's the <laughs> only one who's interested <laughs> who can get anywhere near affording it. It's the thin end of the wedge, isn't it? No, no well, business. You'll need somewhere to stay as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, we always talk about being run soundly as a business. No business would look at a reduction in sales and go, brilliant, doing well. Revenues no. are up. Sales are down. It won't carry on forever, will it? That's the point. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. On now then to the season ahead. Um, how we all reckon we're going to fare then? Sort of a repeat of the, of the thing we said at the top of the show. Do we look forward to this season, think we're going to be all right, or do we just not know? I'm looking forward to it because I've paid good money to watch it, so how we'll fare is another matter. I hope to be pleasantly surprised, but I... I don't think we'll do quite as well as we did last year. I think we'll have bang in the middle somewhere. I'm hoping Brown might be the um, Strachan-esque signing. I'm not sure Brown's ever been as good as Strachan was. But, no, um, but <laughs> I know what you mean. We signed Strachan at 33. Yeah, and he's the player. He's the type of player we've been saying for two seasons we need. So maybe uh, he'll allow people like Housen to be better. Problem is we weren't planning when we wanted him for him to replace two players. Well, there's time yet for us to get somebody else in, other players, obviously. But A week. 
that's one of the things that's worrying me is if we are going to bring anybody else in. Well, we are getting very late. Yeah, I mean, Dominic Matteo did make a good point in his Yorkshire Evening Post column, didn't he, about good players not still being available at this time. They've all gone. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's going to be great. That is a problem, is that it just feels like instead of having some sort of clue, it doesn't feel like if we've built on last season, it feels like we've we've just squandered what we'd built up last year and now we're just in, a complete, in the same situation as yeah. start last season where we just don't know and the only sort of hope we have is pretty much just blind optimism and like cross fingers and hope it'll be okay whereas we should be in the position where we could just say we did well last season so it's reasonable to think we've made some changes and we'll be better. Instead it's just we did well last season, we've made some changes and now who bloody knows? Well we've made changes but we haven't necessarily made improvements yet. Have we? That's the that's the crux of the matter, maybe. And I think with Becchio and Sommer being out injured for at least a few months at the start of the season, I think that's the real concern. Because Kilkenny and Johnson, as much as I thought they were decent enough players, they weren't irreplaceable. Whereas Becchio last year showed that he actually was irreplaceable because we we didn't really score any goals without him. The only thing that worries me about Kilkenny and Johnson is not that I particularly thought they were brilliant players that we should never have let go. It's just that they both played pretty much every game. And so to let two players that were that were absolutely were first team regulars go and only bring in Brown, and and in saying so, we want better. Yeah, um, we've got a thirty four year old on a one year contract who might be better, but yeah. it's not long term planning, is it? I mean, it would have been nice to see what we already had as a nucleus of a decent squad being built on. Maybe okay, you decide to let one of Johnson or Kilkenny go, and I know you can't always necessarily dictate that you're going to keep players, but it would have been nice to see them paying that bit of money just to get one of them to stay, Johnson perhaps, and then you know build on what we've already got and add to that midfield rather than destroy it and rebuild it from scratch. Or even if we were just going to let them both go, just get a player in who was going to be here for three years. Or have a plan just... that you had someone in line already lined up to replace them. Yeah, I mean, it should Same with the keeper. I don't think there's any clear plan that once you let Schmeichel go, that... You knew who was going to replace him. I think Rahobka might have been lined up to replace Higgs because that was done very quickly. As soon as Schmeichel went, he came in but and his grace is mate. let but Higgs have another couple of years? Did he really want to go? Has Higgs gone anywhere? Has he pitched I up? I think so. Maybe he's just, uh, we'll see him in some um, adverts for Gillette <laughs> <laughs> around the start of the season. He's given but up on the football career. But... Let's not talk too much about the sort of transfer policy side of things. Let's have a look at the, the squad and see what we make of it. I mean, you talk about the keepers there, Lonergan. Again, we mentioned him a little earlier. A little bit of a suck it and see with the keepers. Not quite sure what we're going to get. Suck who you want, mate. I'm just going to watch them play football. You'll just do the seeing, okay? If if Lonergan had a dad called Peter Lonergan, who'd played loads of times for England, we'd probably be more excited about him. <laughs> if he doesn't moan as much as Casper did, then that'll be a, an improvement. That was my big bugbear with Casper. The, the shouting and the. I mean, I don't know if you saw any of the pre-season friendly that they had against Real Madrid I saw a bit of it online and he's doing his usual histrionics after a goal's been scored you know picking the ball out of the net and then walloping it into the crowd and stropping about you just you don't need that just calm down a bit and just get on with your job I did notice um, I still sadly I'm following him on Twitter and he was uh, published a picture of his man of the match trophy from that game I, I, I hadn't really thought about it but it was today did he get man of the match against Real Madrid? Oh God! I think I think the the fact that he can do all the saves was never in doubt, was it? I mean, it's it's the rest of it. It's the organising, the defence, and being calm enough to do it. I wouldn't have liked to see him and Cristiano Ronaldo on the same pitch. 
Crybabies. I won't miss him. With regards to Lonergan, is he basically cut from a similar cloth? He's cut from a different part of the pig. A taller cloth. He ain't he ain't Danish. That was a bacon joke somewhere in there. I'm not really sure where it's coming from. Stumbling off my words, I was going to say same sort of cloth that is of a similar ability. Plays in goal. Yeah, same position as well, which is useful when you need but, a keeper. But he's obviously presenting himself as a cheaper option. In terms I'm not of sure trans- he's presenting himself as a cheaper <laughs> option. Maybe that's how we finally secured the transfer. He's turned up in rags at Ellen's Road. I meant he, presenting he himself as a cheaper option to the management. To the management. Oh, clean chimneys. <laughs> You know what I mean? Though he, he came in for a reported hundred thousand pounds. We've taken a million, million and a half for Casper Schmeichel, so we've we've netted out with a profit. Similar standard keeper, hopefully, hopefully better. Better, I hope. Well, we shall see. I mean, if the reported interest of Everton is anything to go by, then yeah, it's, it's worth it's worth mentioning though they only wanted him for a reserve keeper, which, as we said earlier, nah. don't really mean much. <laughs> Um, what about the defence then in front of uh, the keeper? Have we got hopes for this being better this year? Because we've not added to it. We've got Tom Lees who's sort of now pushing himself into the frame. Ben Parker is fit for now, I think. We've not had an update in the last hour or so, but the last the last we heard, he was fit. An ambulance went past as I was walking in. <laughs> well, left back, left back is a concern area, isn't it, still? I, I think it has been we might 15, bring, a, bring a loan in again. Which 15 years, probably. a dread. I don't want to rely on Parker and Bassoni. The the um the boy's own story would be that Parker puts all his injuries behind him and puts in a, a fantastic season at left back, plays every game, and his crosses consistently meet the head of uh, Fede Bassoni, who suddenly realizes he should have been a striker all along and <laughs> fills the Becchio and Sommer gap like a like a titan, and together they win the league and the FA Cup. <laughs> Optimistic. We are still stuck with Bassoni, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Although has he played a game in pre-season? I don't think he's actually got on the pitch, has he? Don't think so. So, is he even training with the first team? Is he with the kids? Mike Greller's with the kids, isn't he at the minute? Poor man. Um, so yeah, left back's a problem. We think maybe a loney if we can't secure somebody full time. We could have got psychopathic Dickinson back, couldn't we? As well, he's just gone, but cost money. So yeah. rule him out. Oh, we've got uh, Bulldoz as a left back. This Hungarian fellow is on trial. Seems... Well, he's left-footed. I'm not sure he's a left back. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a left from reports online he seems to mainly be a midfielder but he's left footed and like a, any good Sunday league manager knows if you're left footed you can play at left back which brings <laughs> us to AD White who is the other option there you know still can't make up the mind what he's going to do I think can he's a winger so. now though he's not necessarily left back is he but if we haven't got a left back and we've still got Snodgrass and Gradle to flip between the two then stick him at left back until he gets thoroughly pissed off with playing for Leeds United and gets a club transfer <laughs> Um, so we're pinning all our hopes this time on O'Brien cutting out the silliness and being solid alongside the, the linchpin of it all, Paddy Kisnorbo. Nice to see him back. O'Brien and Naylor at the end of last season looked good. We were saying that Naylor took a lot of the responsibility off O'Brien, cut out some of the silly mistakes. If you upgrade Naylor to a rebuilt Kisnorbo, nothing can possibly go wrong. If you look through the centre of our team this year, you look at Kisnorbo and Brown, and that's considerably harder than... We had last year, so maybe that'll make quite a difference to us. I um, won't want to uh, particularly be on the wrong end of one of their challenges. <laughs> Brown's not very big, but he's just psychotic. <laughs> Some great tackles of his on YouTube, if you've uh, got a spare minute. There's one on Ryan Giggs, which is a particular yeah, thing, yeah, thing of one, beauty. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon to the midfield then, uh, moving into midfield? You mentioned Brown. We've now got Nunes, who's looking like he should be good this season, showing flashes of brilliance. They're cheap. You, you may have... Uh, Played his way onto the bench. He needs to stop going on holiday for a start, but 
Yeah, he, he looks like he should be the impact player that we kind of mused over at the back end of last season. We thought he might be. It is um, noticeable that sort of all our best players, well, I suppose it's a truism to say all the best players are flash because every club's their best players are flash, but we're quite overloaded on um, airy-fairy flair players. Nunes, are you going to get Nunes, Snodgrass, Grade or can we call Lloyd Simon flair player? Yeah, um, Housen. He'd on like this, to sorry, be. On, on like this note that you make it, it does make the whole Mendy thing a little bit yeah. strange and, and a bit worrying as well if you think about Snodgrass and Gradle and he's sort of in their positions that he, he looks like he's going to be playing. You can never tell with the trialist, so it could just be he's available and he may have been what, you know, a Huddersfield scout might have watched him in a pre-season game for Leeds or something. So he just wants to move to England and it's away in. So you can never tell, but... We could turn into, I mean, let's just play three at the back when some, well, someone may not make it this season, but we'll just play, just go Keegan's, Keegan-esque flair from every angle. Get AD White, forget about left back. <laughs> Get right in, up front. in order to overcome our defensive frailties from last season, just stick more players up front. Play three wingers on each side. <laughs> be fine. <laughs> Nunes, free roll. What could possibly go? Becchio, free roll. Snodgrass, free roll. Housen. <laughs> Give a free roll, <laughs> Gradle, free roll. <laughs> it's the uh, future of football. Andy, no, Lon- no. Andy Lonigan, free roll. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, Feddy. You stay where you are. <laughs> so talking of all these free rolls and up front and whatnot, um, it's a bit worrying up top, isn't it? And I know we, we can sort of play this one man up front thing, but we've got Luciano, who should have been dealt with his injury in the summer properly. If anybody is, cared. You know, very, very frustrating that they've allowed that to come back. Um, and some are very unlucky with the uh, the anterior cruciate ligament. And subsequent ban from Twitter. Yes. Um, Can you imagine that being out for a year and you can't even just waste time on Twitter? <laughs> Although Sommer wasn't crucial in the starting eleven a lot of last season, he was a really important player in the squad, wasn't he? And his ability to come off the bench and score was important. And now we're sort of down to two. One and a half. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Give Billy a chance. His we- bus might come soon. But yeah, you know... Fans scapegoat Billy Painter and Ross McCormack, who bagged a, a whopping three goals between them last season. It's it's a bit worrying, isn't it? One of McCormack's wasn't really his <laughs> he, either. He can have it. He's having it. And McCormack missed two pens in pre-season. So he's on, on form then. Yes, right, yeah. oh, I think the problem as well with uh, Barndor is that you, the, the opti- <laughs> optimism is there that it will suddenly come good this season. But in order to do that, you don't want there to be any pressure on him. You're the only fit striker. Get out there. Yeah. <laughs> It's not helpful. It's a symptom of just how hard it is to play for Leeds United, isn't it, really? With the, the weight of expectation that the fans Especially put on. Especially if you're as shit as he is. <laughs> you're not helping, Moscow. No, I'm fine. I quite liked, I can't remember exactly who it was on the forum, but as soon as uh, Summer got injured, they just said, we're going to have to build a better barn door. And that's, <laughs> that's uh, I hope somebody mentioned it. Come on. Well, somebody needs to put that on a some, t-shirt, don't they? Some, yeah, we'll put it up in the dressing room. <laughs> Come on, barn door, be a hero. <laughs> So overall, what do you think about Simon Grayson? This is going to be the acid test of his abilities this season, I really think. I think we'll genuinely find out what he's about this season. I feel sorry for him. I do. I feel trepidatious. Sacked by Christmas. You think? A lot of, um, as soon as last season ended, Ken Bates was talking about promotion this season. And we've not really done anything, as we said earlier, that says promotable team. And if that's what if that's what he wants this year, is if he's expecting... Premier League promotion and he isn't just doing it to try and drum up season ticket sales um, then when we don't get it you've got to say he's 
and when we don't look like getting it, his job's going to be on the line. Do you detect a slight difference, maybe a divide perhaps, between what they want from boardroom level, i.e. promotion, and Grayson, who's now downplaying the, the chances of promotion? There seems to be a slight polarisation of, of opinion there about where this club's going to be going this season. Is there a disparity coming in? It seems the half of the club, which is to do with football, seems concerned that we won't get promoted, and the, the half that has nothing to do with it saying come on surely this is fine we've given you we're spending literally thousands on these players two goalkeepers what more do you want <laughs> yeah it does all seem to be happening around grace and i mean his some of his public comments do slightly great in their sameness but then when you've got a chairman who insists on going on the radio every week and talking about i mean the the one last week when we finally signed lonergan and he said uh, signing of lonergan just shows a uh, Sorry, I should do the Bates voice. Signing of Lonergan. Uh, just so that we, we do our business behind closed doors. And then he started going on about how we had two midfielders who were due over at the weekend. He's going to have agents coming to Monaco, but you won't hear anything about it until it's done. You're talking about it now. And Simon Grayson, I can only imagine he sits there tuning into Yorkshire Radio. Oh, wonder, wonder if they're playing, uh, playing a bit of Rush. I like Rush. And then he hears Ken Bates just talking about midfielders. He goes, oh, no. Head in his hands. And it seems like it doesn't necessarily seem to be in Grayson's control. Bates seems to have put him on a kind of a bleep test where it gets more difficult, but still, you still expect you still expect to get there between the uh, between the bleeps, and he's just gonna <laughs> he's just gonna run him until he fails. I mean, he's got a history of getting rid of managers. I mean, very few last for very long with Ken Bates. He's, he was known for it, wasn't he? I mean, particularly a few years ago at Chelsea. I mean. Viali, Hullet, Hoddle, Webb, Porterfield all went within three years. Do we see Simon Grayson outlasting them? I really hope so because I think I genuinely think he's quite a good manager. But the longer he has to operate with one hand time behind his back, I think it's going to get more and more difficult for him. And we all know that if there's going to be a fall guy, it's going to be him rather than the board. I mean, none of us know exactly what the circumstances behind the scenes are, what he's given and what he's told and what he has to work with. But there is no real way you can look at Simon Grayson and say, yes, there is a manager who has his chairman and board's full support. just doesn't seem that way. Like all the players we've rumoured to have been in for, the likes of Bowyer. I'm sure Grayson would have loved Bowyer, but we're offering him 10 grand a week. Ipswich have offered him, I don't know, 18. And he's gone to Ipswich. And that's a player, that's a player Grayson would have wanted, would have been in the first team. But he's missed out on him. We've not got the team which he would have picked. When you go back to you go back to last season with the whole Montgomery and Eustace thing, and we've seen so much more of it exposed this summer, haven't we? That we just don't seem to be able to agree terms with players, you know, for whatever reason, and perhaps we're seeing the conditions that he has to work under. It seems like every player he goes for is we just don't quite offer them enough. We'll be linked with Montgomery again, and we've apparently offered him less money than he's on now, which is just ridiculous. I know a lot of people have sort of been losing it over the summer about the lack of transfer activity. And it started surfacing at Sheffield Wednesday with the very pronounced anti-Bates chance. I mean, you were there, Michael, weren't you? Was it very obvious? Uh, yeah, I'd say a fair old portion of the crowd was singing it, more so than uh, would normally get going at an away game. I think the reason it maybe spilled over then was that we were playing poorly and we were having to watch Mendy and Osborne and Bodor and all these trialists who, you know, coming along for the sake of it because they might be within our uh, our wage bracket and you just thought why are we not spending some bloody money on players why are we why are we getting players who might possibly be able to do a job when the players out there we know would do the job but they've just happened to want more money and we were getting overrun by David Prutton well it's, it, this is the thing I think it, it ultimately boils down to what happens on the pitch doesn't it and 
it shows that perhaps there is a simmering resentment at the way that we're being run that could spill over should things yeah. not work out well, right. I think that's clear that the fans will have a go at Bates first before Grayson and will support him and probably if Grayson does get the boot, there'll still be a, a lot of support for Grayson. It's, it's unthinkable that we finished seventh last season and we, we should be going into this season with real optimism and yet we're talking about a very real possibility that Grayson's going to get fired this year. Mm. And we're looking at probably a lower wage budget than we had last year, higher season ticket prices and a worse squad and you think, how does all this tie together? We should be a club it on the stack up, does it? But yet the general feeling is a bit depressing. Hopefully it'll change when the season starts and maybe Nunes will turn into this year's uh, this year's star and Painter will start finding the net at least a little bit more often and the defence will be showed up. But you just get the feeling if it, if it falls into place, we're quite lucky that it has. Still going to finish with Birmingham. Quite confident about that. Although it seems a bit of an oxymoron, that's the... Uh... The pre-season post-mortem out of the way. Um, let's move on to some more positive stuff now. The actual football, the stuff that we really care about. It all kicks off on Saturday. Hip, hip, hooray. Um, at least the, the win over Newcastle's lifted spirits a bit and we can now you know, go into the Southampton game. Fingers crossed that we, we start well. Live on Sky, tea time kick-off. It's going to be good because it's proper football. All these pre-season friendlies are fine, but like you say, it's all a bit mealy-mouthed and nobody can really make a decision based on drawing with Sheffield Wednesday and beating Newcastle doesn't mean anything. Did you see the other Sheffield Wednesday result? Yes, I did. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) If you haven't heard this... Before you say it, pre-season games, very important indicators, just as I was saying then. (laughs) Bear in mind, it was was a Sheffield Wednesday 11. They were playing, was Alfred and Town from Derbyshire? And the score was? 14-0. 14-0. Not to Sheffield Wednesday, to Alfred and Town. I can only presume the Sheffield Wednesday 11 included players from the 50s. (laughs) <laughs> something who were David making Hurst. a comeback. I think it was predominantly their youth team, but a good confidence builder for the young lads. As Brian Dean tweeted on Twitter, he said, "No team, no professional team should lose fourteen nil to non-leaguers. It just should not happen. It shows something systematic and wrong." But then again, Brian Dean played for us and Sheffield United, so maybe he's just winding him up a bit, you know. Well, I read a comment as well from a Sheffield Wednesday fan who said that their um. It wasn't really surprised because apparently their academy has been really badly run for years. When you look, suppose the um, money situation they've had there, and he he said sacked a lot of them and just replaced them with the Alfredson Town team, and we'll like we'll try and bring them through to the first team. Anyway, ha ha. Um, so back to the Southampton match. Fourteen um, nil. You think? Maybe not fourteen nil, but you know we normally do something worth mentioning when we're on telly, whether it's a good performance, a big win, or we get tonked. One of the three. Um, let's hope it's one of the first two out of that list. We've got to look forward to it because we've been without football for nearly three months. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, like I, like I was saying, it's going to settle a few things, not for good, but some indicators will actually start to show up. We'll get some actually ideas. And listening to some of the pre-season games on, on the radio, so what's the second hours, loads of substitutions just fritted away to nothing and you know people got the books out. Tom Kerwin nattering on about seagulls two seasons in a row that he's ended a pre-season friendly talking about seagulls. <laughs> Hartlepool and uh, Motherwell. Whereas there's going to be no seagulls, no books, no boredom, no trialists. No... There might be seagulls in Southampton. They won't be playing. Just saying, it's by the seaside. It's going to be nice to get back to business. And yes. you know, when, when you put all this stuff aside, when you get to the football match and we've got all the pre-season moaning and worrying out of the way, when you're there, that's what it's all about. And it's a relief. It's like when you've 
been fretting over an exam. This feels like an exam we've not revised for at all. But we're going in, and it might be all right. <laughs> and even if it's not, at least it's at least it's, it's done now. At least it's, it's done. done. <laughs> you at don't have we've... to worry about it anymore. Exactly. At least we'll know something. One um, way or another. Well, you're going down to this, aren't you, Michael? So can we expect more drunken uh, tales on the podcast in two I weeks? pray it will be better than my last trip there. Was that the arrest and the curry and the... Yeah, not my arrest, but yeah. And it, with it being a 5.20 kickoff, it really will be a, a very late evening if uh, if we have to wait around a police station for f- four hours like we did last time. So, uh, What time are you setting off from Leeds? Uh, ten. What time are you starting drinking? Ten. ten. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm setting off from Donny at ten, so... I shall be on a train drinking from about half past nine. <laughs> to the match itself then, and we've got Fraser Richardson and Dan Harding as the full-backs of Southampton, which should be interesting to see how they're getting on these days. Out of score. The good yeah. news is uh, Gradle and Snodgrass should be able to take those two apart. Bad news is Alex Chamberlain against Ben Parker or whoever. Connolly, wouldn't he's, we... a, he's a bit good, isn't he? Alex Chamberlain, yes. Arsenal want him, don't they? Everybody wants him. I want him. Do you want him? That bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> They absolutely tonked us last time we were down there as well, didn't they? So it was in our horrible, staggering out of League One patch. Um, I don't think we had a single shot until about the 92nd minute. So it's got to be better than that. It's going to be another 4-3, isn't it? That was a good game. I'd be happy I'd be happy with another of those. Oof, I don't know. Right, and then we uh, meet our near neighbours, Bradford City. That one's going to be on Sky League Cup on Tuesday. Surely we're going to beat Bradford. We've got to, haven't we? If we lose to Southampton, then Bradford. Just then, stop uh, the season, close down the club, yeah. shut out the lights, just all go home. Tom Elliott went on trial to Bradford, didn't he? So they can't be that good. Did they give him a contract? Did he say, though, did he? He generally doesn't stay anywhere very long, does he? If they didn't give him a contract, they can't be that bad. So no, got, we'll We will beat Bradford. We've got to. We have, haven't we? Come well, on. No, no one's one agreeing. Those, it's okay. one of those things where we, we always play them and we always beat them. Like Oldham were a bogey side for us in the 80s. I've, I've got... Um, Bradford's pre-season form so far they've lost 4-1 to Bolton and they've uh, lost 3-1 to Hull City so a bit worried the scoring did you a win? <laughs> yes <laughs> they've only played two games I've only um, those are the only two results available on the website I consulted the only thing is it's early season and we sometimes have a habit of not hitting the ground running uh, at the start of the season and they're going to be really really up for this especially not when it's a Tim Pot Cup game on a Tuesday night I mean, I've got visions of the Darlington games and the Johnson's paint and who did we play in the League Cup last season Lincoln Lincoln oh we Lincoln. beat them 4 nil last yeah. year didn't we so Summer will put plenty of goals but oh yeah <laughs> but Painter will put oh yeah I hope that Bradford isn't for Painter what Darlington was for Schwumney like the only didn't he bundle the ball yeah. in over the line and that was the only... Well, he played for Bradford as well, didn't he, did Painter? So there's a there's a story there. Hopefully with a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, the best we can hope for is a convincing win. The worst we can expect is a narrow win. <laughs> can we say that? And losing is a bit unthinkable. We won't lose to Bradford. Nobody loses to Bradford no. in this day and age. We've now got a bit of crossover between the two clubs as well. The Flamingo Land man. Yes. Who is apparently, he must be a Leeds fan because he's horrible to Bradford City. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just hope it's that way. We should explain the link, shouldn't we, that he is on their board of directors or owns them or something, but Flamingo Land are now sponsoring our youth team. Nicely explained. (laughs) 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 Board of directors or something. Something or he owns them or something. What do you want me to do? Do research? He extorts an awful lot of rent out of them. (laughs) Because uh, Sean Harvey sold the stadium to him. You remember Sean Harvey. Um, Surely someone uh, who did such a thing wouldn't be working in football anymore. 
And am I right in thinking that Sean Harvey was involved with the board of directors who sold Ellen Road as well? Yes. Yes, you are. And... We've, we've no evidence and, to sold it. hang yeah. on a second, Scarborough's McCain Stadium, wasn't that sold when Sean Harvey was involved? Some lovely houses there now. Mm, curious. Yeah, anyway. so Flamingo Land are now sponsoring our academy based at uh, Thorpe Arch, where land value is very low. Nobody wants, no no housing developments why don't, around why there. Why don't they put in a roller coaster? Uh, in fact, the uh, the only housing developments around uh, Thorpe Arch lately are on the bits of uh, the training ground that uh, Sean Harvey sold here. <laughs> several years ago. <laughs> Moving on before we get ourselves into trouble with this, uh, the other game that's here in this season opening sequence is Leeds versus Middlesbrough. Not on telly, which is the exception to the rule these days. Um, Saturday the 13th of August. They ended last season pretty well under Tony Mowbray. Well, he knows this division well, doesn't he, Mowbray? He seems to, he seems to do all right in it. He can't do much worse than Strachan. And I think he's offloaded some of the crap Scotsmen that, uh, yeah, Scots. that Strachan lumbered them with. I, I expect them to do better than last year, which is a shame. Well, will they do better against us? We drew with them at home last year, didn't we? And we thumped them away. Single-handedly, Becchio smashed their... Fucking unbelievable. It's going to be a fairly tough opener, isn't it, really? There are not going to be many easy fixtures, I don't think, this season. It's a pretty competitive division. Middlesbrough's not a bad place to start at home, though, because uh, we should be up for it. Yorkshire Derby, bit of... Um, well, they're not well, pro- depending they're not on proper the boundary. Yorkshire. They're technically but, um, in the North Riding, but... But a team we have some, uh, at least some semblance of rivalry with. It's not like somebody we've never, we don't care. It's not like Norwich turning up again from last season. So we're not particularly bothered about them. So good bit of a bit of fire in the first home game. So three games, definitely three wins. Then yeah, early season optimism. Yeah, three wins. Mm. Paint I'll t- I'll take nine two. goals. Not necessarily for us. Ah, well, let's just see what happens. We, at least we can be blindly optimistic at this one point in the season before a ball's kicked. Yeah, it's only a game. Oh, I'm sure you've noticed the blind optimism <laughs> running through this podcast. It's been oozing out of this, out of this podcast, doesn't it? Well, I actually came in not meaning to be quite as negative as I have been. It's just inevitable, isn't it? I you think, shouldn't have it? brought up the away kit. That's what started <laughs> yeah. it. So there we have it. Three season openers. We'll come back to you on those in a fortnight, I guess. Yeah, we'll have a full uh, and um, detailed report of the Southampton game from Michael. We'll see. (laughs) For his warrant sheet. (laughs) We need to say thank you, don't we, as well, for some more chocolates that have been sent our way. We do. Sazzy BM from Twitter. Sarah Morris, who sent us in real life. It's getting to the point where she's probably stalking us now. Probably. But thank you. It's chocolate, so we don't mind. We all fell asleep for two hours after eating them, it's worth mentioning. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for those. If you want to send confectionery to us, please do. Uh, just don't lace it with anything. I'm, I'm hoping to have our uh, my weekly shop arrive by the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, if you, do, if you do want to send us anything, whether it be uh, hate mail or whatever, the address is on the bottom of the website. Just scroll down to the bottom of the page at squareball.net and find our address on there. Not me. It tends to perish, doesn't it? And finally then, have a look on the website and that's where you can buy the magazine too. Issue one going to be out for the Borough game. It's going to be good. 56 pages, full colour. Some new stuff in there. Some of the old favourites. Are we going to start it? Is it done yet? It's not done yet. No. There's... It's all right. As, as long as there's not any like impending births or anything in the next week or so, it should be fine. Well, if my yeah. missus times it right before the print deadline, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be absolutely fine. Which will make a what? Two weeks late? Oh, I'm worried now. Um, <laughs> it will be done. It will be done. It'll be there. It'll be there. Even if it's a lot of fun. It may only usual. be 10, 20 photo- pages. <laughs> 10 photocopy pages. But, you know, we'll get there. Yeah. So come on, Mrs. Dan. Don't let us down. 
Yeah, yeah. So following on from the last piece where we we're saying if you want to send anything in, if yeah. you want to send us some money, <laughs> we'll send you a magazine in return. That's true. Yeah, you can buy it online via the website, squareball.net, new shop and all that. Um, we'll be getting back issues up on there. And go on, subscribe. You know you want to. Subscriptions, excellent value, and they make our lives much easier. Yeah, we're going to have a line of T-shirts up there in the forthcoming weeks, but we won't tell you too much about those now because they're not made. Uh, but when we do, we'll be sure to shout about it. So buy one of those too. Is that us done then for our pre-season optimistic pod? Are we doing an optimistic one as well? We are like the four Yorkshiremen complaining about how badly we've got it. <laughs> well, which, which is correct on Yorkshire Day. You know, this could be as optimistic as this broadcast gets all season. If we cast our minds back a year, we came in here and we recorded a podcast at the same time of the season and then you got home and found out that it had a daft echo on it and we couldn't use it and so we had to just cancel the whole thing. So if this one is actually heard by anybody, we're ahead of where we were last year. Leeds United progressing. Everything's going to be fine. Brick by brick, step by step. Podcast by podcast. Stage on grey. <laughs> moan something. by moan. Well, on which high point then? Let's sign off for this one. We're back in a fortnight. That's the week of Monday the 15th. Hopefully we'll get it all out in time for the whole City match. Ellen Road on Tuesday. Ta-ra from me then. And uh, Michael. Goodbye. Moscow. See you there. Ta-ra. Drop us an email, podcast at squareball.net. Get us on Facebook, get us on Twitter. Otherwise, point your mouse at squareball.net. Thank you for listening. We'll speak to you again in a fortnight. Ta-ra. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.